0: Welcome to Love Maps, your guide to love, sex and relationships. I'm your host Joe Nickel. I'm a psychotherapist and relationship coach. For 25 years, I've been working with couples and individuals, and I know firsthand that many people are not having the sex and love life they want. So I decided to make this podcast to give people the tools they need to get the relationships they long for with more passion, intimacy and connection. So what is a love map? A love map is the blueprint for our relationships which we developed in the early stages of our life. There's a saying, show me how you were loved and I will show you how you love. Our culture shows us how to fall in love but I wanna show you how to stay in love. Each episode I'll be hanging out on my sofa with an invited guest who has a particular interest or expertise in love and sex And together, we'll explore a specific topic so that you can take away tools and new ideas that I hope will transform your relationships. On today's podcast, we're going to be discussing what are you into? We're going to be looking into BDSM and fetishes, and you'll be learning why understanding more deeply your erotic themes and communicating them to your partner can lead to a deeper and sexier love life. Our guest today, Massimo Marinoni, gives us some fabulous tips and insights. Also with me on Love Maps is my regular sofa buddy and editor, Richard Cotton, who is as passionate as I am about improving our relationships. Hi, Richard. Hi, Joe. Hi there. So, today we are talking about sex and what are we into? What are you into? Yeah. And that's a subject that I'm very interested in because it's a question I've never been asked. Nobody's ever asked me, Joe, what are you into? And I wish they had. I mean,
1: I've been asked, in the moment, I've been asked, you know, do you like that, or is that you know? Questions in the moment, but I mean, mm. like over a cup of coffee or something in the cold light of day. Hey, by the way, what are you into? No, no. I, I mean, well, I
0: don't think that's kind of where I was thinking I wanted to be asked. <laughs> I think it is uh, as with my with my lover with my partner to be able to be comfortable enough to say what I was into, what I felt like, and be curious enough about what they wanted. Mm. Because I think it's respecting your sexuality, the sexuality of your partner, the differences, the different things we're into, Mm. that we will be into different things, and to um, also acknowledge that their eroticism is really interesting to me. And that together, if we share that experience and knowledge of ourselves with each other we can have a really extraordinarily rich and exciting yes sex life
1: yes and we can only really only really by doing that is what I'm learning is that you know that's that's how we get closer that's how we build a more intimate relationship not only in the bedroom but also outside of it because well I think we're probably going to hear something about that yeah uh, about extending beyond the bedroom
0: well, this is what Massimo is going to be, we're going to be talking about with Massimo. He's going to be talking about his exploration of his sexuality and what eroticism has done for his life and how you can manifest that so beautifully in a relationship with yourself and another person. Yeah,
1: I'm really looking forward to hearing from him, actually. He's, yeah,
0: um, it's going to be exciting. He's a great guy. Cool. So Massimo, welcome to Love Maps.
2: Hi, wow, what an introduction. I hope I can live up to all that.
0: Yep, you're going to. I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Massimo, when, when did you discover that you had an interest or in a fetish?
2: I had no idea for my entire life, but it came up to my 30th or 35th birthday and I wanted to do something different. And I searched the World Wide Web for it and I found out that there was this club called the Torture Garden that was a fetish club. I asked the mother of my children, my partner at the time, if she wanted to come with me. She said no, uh, and she didn't mind whether I, that I went alone. And I went for the first time by myself uh, to a fetish club. And um, that was it. Why did you decide to go to a fetish club? Well, uh, I think a fetish in general is something that, in my experience, and anyway, I will always talk about my experience, because the definition of fetishes and fetishes, there are as many as there are people alive, and also with contradicting... So what I like is something that somebody else hates and hates me for liking it because it's a little bit like politics. So I can only speak for myself. I I think it's something that comes out a bit later on. And for me, it did when I tried everything else, when I had relationship, I had children, I was a father, I was a cheater, I was a...
0: was, were, you, were you unhappy in your sex life? Is that why you were looking for uh, something more? Um, why did you think you wanted something more? I, uh,
2: because I had tried everything else.
0: Okay. But
2: um, I might have been unhappy, not in my sexual life, because whatever I couldn't get, and I said this to the mother of my children when we first met, I am a man. I apologize for this fact in advance. But what I want, what I, if you can't give me what I want, I will go and look for it somewhere else. And for a period of my life, that's how I lived my life. So I would have anything that I wanted. I would get it outside of my relationship. Then I had a big sort of what, sorry, identity my, crisis yeah. on that, and and, and actually. It did come after after I went to a BDSM club, after I understood how relationships can actually be a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot deeper and more meaningful and more hardcore than a normal relationship, that then I actually understood relationship better and I understood better what I wanted.
0: What afterwards. was it that you first experienced and saw when you went to the torture garden that made you think that this was the route that you wanted to go down?
2: I've always liked sex and I've always liked freedom of expression in sex. So uh, for the first time in my life, I saw people of all ages, of all shapes, all basically celebrating sex by getting dressed up and going out for the evening and then playing with each other in the club. The club has got a dungeon uh, place also around the club and also dancing and a lot of positivity, actually.
0: So... When you first started um, getting involved or, you know, moving into the BDSM scene, how did you go about that? Were you with Were you with a partner? Was it important to have a partner at that time?
2: Okay, so um, I didn't have a partner because um, the mother of my children, my partner at the time, wouldn't come with me. Um, but I did realise by going to the clubs that... I enjoy much more going with a partner than without a partner
0: was your movement towards BDSM something that and um, um, was it a, did it end your old marriage or was your marriage already sort of winding down my marriage
2: could have been said to have already been winding down. And one could say that maybe the BDSM aspect of it um, was the drop that made the vase overflow. Um, but the mother of my children, she did say at, at the time, she says, Massimo, you know, the older we get, the crazier you become and the more normal I become. We're going two different ways. And, um, and so in a way, yes.
0: Okay, so when you... When you then found yourself in the BDSM um, scene, um, did you find quite quickly what it is that you were able to express yourself, your own personal, unique, se- your sexuality, oh your God. creativity? Was there, a, was there a, a place in that scene that you thought, yeah, that feels like this is true for me? Okay. It's not a quick journey because I'm
2: still on this journey okay. very much. Yeah. And I'm learning right. a lot about myself, relationships, love, uh, and, and, and the deeper meaning of life through it. Um, but the way I started out, I went when I was a single, I went on a dating site called alt.com. And this dating site is for alternative lifestyles and fetishes. And when I had to fill in my profile, one page opened up to say, what are you into? And I was absolutely shocked. There were so many words I didn't know. So I said, okay, I'm going to go through this from the first one to the last one. And I started looking at some. And I said, "This oh my God, that's terrible. That's disgusting. Like I, I could never want that. Give an example. Like what? Um, well... For example, scat, which is shit play. I looked at that and I thought, "Oh my god, who'd be into that?" Although talking to people that is were sh- into it, after I learned why they were into it. But then I is shit up-
0: play part of BDSM? Is that under the umbrella of BDSM? Oh, uh, well, this is
2: what I'm trying to say. That in all.com if you open that page, you will see what's under the umbrella yeah. of BDSM, okay, and thanks. you will make, a, a, and that's where you will learn really your first step of who you are and where you're going to put that line, where well, who you you're not. Or who you're not. So what? So I did. uh, You know, I was very sort of hardcore about it. I said, okay, I'm going to put in one column what I'm really, definitely, without thinking, I I like. I put in another column something that hmm, sounds interesting. I I, I never even knew existed, like eyeball licking. But I'm willing to give it a go. And another uh, column where it's like this is just a no-go area. I really don't think I I, I would ever enjoy that. And then I just ticked everything and then put my profile online. I never got anything out of that site, by the way. What do you mean you have got
1: approached by anybody? Um, or you no. didn't like who you were approached
2: by? No, I didn't get what I wanted out of that site.
0: So what was your first, when you first went into the scene, what was your preferred fetish in that under the BDSM umbrella
2: One of the things that most excites me about BDSM is the idea and the concept of power exchange. Meaning, I'm willing to give up my power to you because I trust you 150% to do anything you like, that you probably know I like, to me, and vice versa. After... Uh, communication, after a lot of negotiation, because BDSM just doesn't, doesn't just happen. BDSM is a result of a really clear communication with another person about what it is and what it isn't that you're
1: into. It was quite revealing in the little parenthesis that you had there, which was that you probably know I'm into as well. So is there any, is there really any such thing as Dom and Sub in that context? Because if you know that you're doing something, you're, you're doing, you're making choices, to do something to somebody but actually you underneath you know that really that person that your partner really likes that thing mm-hmm. that might be a new thought for a lot of people that actually yes. it's not about simply domination and that's right making somebody do something for you for your on your own whim but actually underneath there is a a deep resonance with them that actually that's something that's that's desirable Absolutely. for them on some on, well on, on some level
2: Very well put, because, in fact, what I didn't say, and I wanted to say to start with what it isn't. What BDSM isn't is what has actually brought BDSM into the limelight of the Fifty Shades of Grey, where it actually depicts BDSM as something non-consensual, as something misogynistic, as something objectification of women and about abuse. And it really isn't to do with that. It is about consent. Informed consent. And so, uh, when you get this, so to answer the second part of your question, which is where I'm developing, where I'm learning, okay, let, let, let's go. If you are a, a, an absolute beginner and you want to try it, and you want to go and engage in a professional service, so you're going to go to a professional dominatrix, dumb woman or man or both. The first thing you're going to have to sit down with them and do is start talking about what you're into, what are your limits, what would be the safe word, what is a do, don't and a maybe. Mm-hmm. You might, Like those three categories I was describing before, what is the maybe that I might throw in and you are okay with it. So me as a customer, even if I am the sub, even if I am the slave, I'm actually telling you the do what I like. Because I'm also paying for it, but it doesn't really matter. But um, you, you, you still have to negotiate that before you go into a scene,
0: and that must require an awful lot of trust.
2: Trust, this paramount. I remember going, um, meeting this girl on the on the scene, and then inviting her to my place, and then thinking, Oh my God, I'm going to have the BDSM session of my life because she's into it and she's all crazy. And one of the first things she said to me is that uh, we're not gonna, you're not gonna blindfold me because I don't know you well enough. And I thought, what? I mean, that's like the basic first thing that uh, you know. And she you said, thought. no, no, no. Yeah, I thought, yeah. Well, I mean, what's wrong with that? And and then I started thinking, yeah, okay. So she. Is obviously not comfortable with that until she really trusts the person. She might, might have had a very scary experience where she didn't see anything and suddenly something happened that she didn't like or
0: whatever. I don't know. So I had to respect that anyway. Thanks for listening to Love Maps. Stay tuned for the second half of our podcast with Massimo Marinoni. You can find more information and support on our website, lovemapspodcast.com, and follow Love Maps Podcast on Instagram. So, are you saying that the kind of relationship you build up with your partner is something that you very rarely see with couples who are in normative sex? Yes. Is that this very much checking with each other? Yes how are you feeling? Are you safe? Is this okay for you? Is this not okay for you? Where permission is sought all the time and there is a deep understanding of the limits of the other. And is that the purpose of the safe word? Uh,
2: No, safe word, something else. Um, So in one way, the most striking difference between a normal relationship and a BDSM relationship is empowerment. And empowerment means that if I'm asking you to do something in a normal relationship, and, and I'm not even talking about BDSM I'm talking about anything, like let's go out to the park. There is one, one of four answers you can give me. If I say let's do this, you can tell me no. You can tell me, hmm, I don't know, maybe, I'm not sure. Or you can tell me yes. Or you can empower me and say, Fuck yeah. And when I hear, fuck yeah, I go, oh, yeah, great. You know, Phew, I can go with this. So, you know, so this is in the in the discussion. Now, then another thing that you asked and, and has come up for me, it's about the negotiation that I described earlier, about if you were going to a dump, but also after, after a scene, after a, a thing you talk about it. And how many people talk about sex after they've done it. How did you like it? How was it for you? How can I improve it for you for the next time?
0: So this is very much a mutual giving and receiving. Yes. That must lead to emotional depth in the relationship, which a lot of people don't, I think, have in normative sex relationships. Mm. So do you find... Let me tell you
2: something about that,
0: because um,
2: I never knew that I thought I was a modern man, I thought I was respectful to women, I thought I was all good, but in fact, I only learned the difference between fucking and making love when I was 45 years old. And that is as, a, as, as a not direct, but as an indirect result of having experienced BDSM with someone and understanding the level of devotion, love that the person gives you and having to learn the
0: respect for that. Wow. And gosh, we could all do so, caught two with a bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> so you
2: know that (laughs) yeah so and and i thought prior to that uh, no i I wasn't no i wasn't i only understood it then because someone is so willing to she's done this and this and this and this and that for me i've done this and this and this left for and now when we're having normal sex i am like on cloud 17 i don't know where i am and i thought why does this feel so much different than when i used to Fuck before, and I thought, oh, because now you are not fucking; you are making love. Do you understand that extra element? And paradoxically, when you find that extra element, like when you try the BDSM thing, it's very difficult to go back. Well, that's the only negative. I
0: can I can hear some people probably listening to this saying, "Well, I I make love to my partner. I know what it feels like to make love. I know what it's like to experience being made love to, and I don't have a fetish. So, what you are saying is that." You know, it wasn't until you experienced yourself in the BDSM scene and experienced the level of the depth of emotional connectedness and mutuality and respect that you personally realized that you could, you were now having sex at a deeper emotional level for you because mm. you don't have to do that in order to really make love.
1: It opened the door for you. It opened the
2: door for me, definitely.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I
1: can definitely. What I find that. fascinating, and what you were saying earlier, is the way in which the BDSM philosophy, or your philosophy around BDSM, has seems to have opened up. And I think it might be a surprise. And I, it, for me, it's a sort of revelation is that actually it's, it takes the relationship or it's a, applied to the relationship far beyond the realms of sexual interaction. And actually, it's, it's a much broader philosophical idea yes. around relationship that, that, that goes into our everyday yes. lives, everyday existence. Yes. That's something you've clearly experienced. Yes. And are
2: experiencing. Absolutely. I think that maybe what I also have to specify here is the kind of BDSM relationship that I have with my partner. Because we have what it's described as a switching relationship, whereby we switch roles as master and servant, and thereby know by the series of exchanges and the experience of it what this this dialogue of what are you into and what do you like it's a thing that keeps going and keeps going and keeps growing like i said a lot of people in the BDSM community may disagree with it because a lot of people in the BDSM community don't know. People that switch uh, don't know because really you only ever are one role or another role. And But I am of the belief that if you don't know what's good until you've tried what's bad, you know, and likewise, you don't know what's bad until you try what's good loads of men that like anal sex for example with their girlfriend when we're going to do anal when we're going to do anal and when the girlfriend turns around and says yeah when are we going to do anal when are you ready to do anal uh-huh, most bad men at that point back off and say, "No, no, 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 not me. I meant you." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, but how do you know? You know, have you tried it yourself?" So I'm willing to well, try the, myself. The
1: people that say to you, "Well, switching is not really BDSM." I mean, surely that's not the point. The point is finding what is your deviance, what is your personal turns you on. That's the point, isn't it? It's self discovery, right? It's not a yeah,
2: yeah,
0: it's yeah. It's in some, you're right. A complete
2: uh, self discovery.
0: Where do you practice?
2: BDSM. I do them at home. I've now developed, you know, lots of toys, lots of equipment, you know, it keeps growing. It's like um, a hobby. Oh,
1: let's hear about that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So Barclays Bank rings me up one day and says... So, Mr. Marinoni, you haven't bought £4,000 worth of holidays to the Caribbean, have you? I said, absolutely not. We thought so, because we know your spending habits. So I said to them, all right, so if it doesn't come out of a sex shop, a red light goes off in Barclays Bank and you ring me, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he you, you went, mm, no, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah, well... So you've
0: got all your toys at home and you have fun at home and... Is there a, um, I've sort of read that there's maybe the dominant, the submissive has more power?
2: It is true. Um, one yeah. of the things that I want to say that I'm, you know. I'm developing on, on, on this theme is um, I found a new game uh, involving bracelets. And so in a scene whereby, say, I'm the master and my partner is the slave, we have two rubber bracelets. So if I'm the master wearing two rubber bracelets then I have complete control. I'm have to. i I'm saying do this, do that, we're doing this, stop now, turn this, everything is up to me. If I give her one bracelet and I keep one bracelet, it's sort of democratic there. I, I am the master, I am guiding this, but should you wish to say mm, stop that or mm, could we do this or you are allowed and indeed encouraged. Then if I give the sub both bracelets, then then she will be topping from the bottom. She will have to tell me what to do. And so in the same scenario, you can leave it in three different ways.
1: If you both have a bracelet mm-hmm. and she says to you, she starts to intimate or to tell you what it is that she wants, mm-hmm. Do you you can
2: choose whether you do it or because you're dominant, right? Yes, yes, I can choose whether I do it and maybe I play that I won't do it and then three seconds afterwards I would, you know. It's all <laughs> mine. It's in my, it's my <laughs> game, you know, as well, but... Yeah, coming back to what Joe was saying earlier, I am, I'm, I'm not a misogynist. I love women, and actually, through BDSM, I've learned to love them even deeper. So, I'm not here to abuse them. I'm here to empower them and make them have as many orgasms as humanly possible.
0: Wow. As humanly possible. Yeah. What is humanly possible, man? Well, from yes, what come I've on, seen. Let's have some numbers. <laughs> yes, exactly.
2: 15, 20. Uh, for for the lady uh, I'm my talking, just, I'm just talking just about. I'm not talking about myself because that that
1: would be that would be. I thought he was going to come out with a bigger number than that. Actually,
0: why is that? <laughs> <laughs> is that just a normal number just, for a no, regular no, no. night no, out? No, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a hell of a lot to me.
2: Um, no, still it's it's a, lot. a lot. It's a lot.
0: It's a lot. It it sounds a lot. But, it's but a lot. people can
2: do more. But, but for but how
0: many hours do you maintain this play? Sessions. In, in your in your uh, sessions, as I aff- affectionately
2: are... refer to them as sessions. Thank you.
0: How long is an average session, would you okay. say? Okay.
2: A session can be half an hour to an hour. Okay. That's just a normal session. A special session, the sessions that I like, would go 12 hours. Okay. And so therefore, uh, for me, a small session would be a half of that would be be six hours. Now, mind you, uh, when I say this to people or to friends, they suddenly look at me with big eyes and say, what do you fuck for? You can fuck for 10 hours, Peter. I w- I'm, there is The amount of penetrative sex is not that long. It can't be 12 hours, you know. Uh, we, there's a lot of play with toys and positions and tyings up and tyings down and caressing and um, uh, licking, biting, so all is of that. that, all that.
0: Four, so, would, you say, would you describe that as foreplay? No, 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 no. That is that the session. Is, okay, that, that is, is the session. session. That okay. is the session. Yeah, yeah. okay.
2: I mean, some, some dominatrixes make money out of locking a man in a cage and going to back, back to the kitchen to have a cup of tea with their neighbors. You know, yeah, <laughs> and he whatever. gets up on it, and an hour went by, and nothing <laughs>
0: happened, but in his mind, a well, million things happened. Well, it's all in our mind. That's where our biggest Correct. sex organ is. Is
1: preparation a big part of your the pleasure of? Uh, an interesting the
2: question. Yes, of course. Because for me, this is very ritualistic. And this is also one of the reasons why I believe it's very important for uh, to keep a relationship alive, because it's almost like saying, "Oh, we're going off for the dirty weekend in, in next month." You remember, so um, the 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 planning of it is 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 important to me. But that wasn't your question. What was it? Not really. it was about, it was about preparation.
1: But I suppose uh, yeah, preparation,
2: preparation. Yeah. So sorry. Okay, okay. to do yeah yeah, it. yeah. yeah. Preparation. Preparation. But so, the immediate preparation. Yeah. 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 I suppose okay. Okay. Let me tell you. I am like a kid before Christmas, on Christmas night, about to go to bed and he just cannot sleep of the excitement of the next morning opening those toys. This is a sensation that I still recognize in me when I start going, um, preparing the change and doing that, I'm already in, in an elevated altered state of mind. And then we used to more than before, then with my partner, we would have a bath together, then she would get ready with all the makeups and the wigs and the shoes and everything, and I get ready and I clean all the toys, I lay everything out. And, and by, by the time it starts, I mean, the, such a level of excitement that honestly, in my case, for the first 10, 20 minutes, I shake like a leaf. I can't even control it. It's only after that. And I say, come down, come on. It is going to happen. You, you know, it's fine. You know, you got the time. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go okay. And then I come down. Normally, it's also after I come for the first time, which is ironic because in, in, in real life, or in an ordinary relationship, when you come for the first time, that's it. It's, it's TV time, isn't it? And, 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 and it's going to bedtime. But here it starts after.
0: Wow. Sounds so much more fun than Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> well, it certainly was like for you me. you really know that you're going to have a good time, whereas, you know, we wake up on Christmas morning, we're pretty sure we're not going to get the present we wanted. Exactly. Whereas you know you're getting the present you wanted. Exactly. I think that indulging, playing, yes, giving, giving to your lover what they would like, what would give them pleasure... Is something that I know couples will do when they do that. It may not be their thing. Absolutely but when they jo, do when they do, do it, they feel a huge sense of fulfillment. Yes. I even saw. more so yes. than the person receiving it. Yes. I so agree with
2: you, Joe, and would save so many marriages if people just spoke to each other. Because let's face it, I think about eighty percent of these people who engage in BDSM or, or, or go to clubs or go to dominatrix are married people. People who won't ask their wives to do that, and they have to, they feel they have to get out of the relationship in order to be fulfilled. Well, when I tried that, I actually realized that that is not fulfillment.
0: No, I think that is, is right. chasing
2: your shadow
0: mm. and i think that a lot of relationships would be a lot healthier and more meaningful and would last longer if there was more communication in the bedroom absolutely as an acceptance of differences and an ability and a willingness to just move closer towards the other's needs even if it isn't exactly yours yeah and i think we've been raised to but with this terrible thing of don't do anything in the bedroom that you don't feel comfortable doing. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah. If you only did things that you felt comfortable doing, your sex life would probably die after three yes. years.
2: In relationships, one of the biggest problems that relationships encounter is the dichotomy between love and lust. Okay, where all oh, start yes. the relationship with lust and then becomes love and then becomes love and then and then the lust starts going and then you have you are in a relationship after 10, 15, 20 years where the lust has gone and you have love and there is nothing against love and there is nothing against sleeping in separate bedroom and still be married although I cannot comprehend it for myself but what can you use to keep lust alive with your partner over and over and over again and unless you ritualize it and unless you almost force yourself to do it even if you said, well we said we're gonna do it this friday we are gonna do it because tendencies even for us is to say yeah but no but maybe no but maybe we'll do it the next week or something like no, that i don't really no. feel you know, like it when i get no we car. have i yeah, have yeah, to yeah, see yeah. you as a loving uh, partner but i need to see you as a lustful object as well and if we can't do it in a normal life uh, then we will do it in the BDSM life. That would be
0: a confirmation. Or you, or you would do it, you would simply go off and have an affair with somebody who's, wife, who's risky happens. and exi- exactly. No, exactly. this is, I mean, this is a huge subject and I'm so glad you brought it up because it is going to be definitely a topic over a number of episodes on the podcast is how to keep your love life Absolutely. alive and the love-lust split, which is a big one. Big one. And so thank you for bringing it up. And we are definitely going to be covering that topic and may even get you back in, Massimo, to discuss that further with us. But thank you. Thank you for reminding us about that need to keep focused and keeping our love life alive, but also our sex life has to be given huge amounts of love and attention and interest. So thanks for that.
1: Thank you. Lovely talking to you.
0: Thanks for listening to Love Maps. We hope you've taken away something useful. If you know anyone who's struggling in their relationship, please share our podcast with them. You can find more information about the topics covered and links to therapeutic support on our website, lovemapspodcast.com.